Welcome to ABC at Noon. This is Paul Schreiner, and with me is George Douglas. Hi, George. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. And Larry Boss. Larry? Yes, good Good to be here. Okay. Um, what we're going to do today, this, as Paul said, this is um, ABC at Noon, basically, and as a means to um, look at these issues, a group got together and they created a document that's called ABC, okay, Agenda for a Better Community. You can get that online if you want to, abcvalpo.org, or is it dot, dot .org? It's org. Uh, and you can follow along, and you can look at all these different kinds of things. Um, or if you want to, you can call uh, the office here at 476-9000, and we'll make sure you get a copy of this kind of stuff. So over the past several weeks, we've been discussing these issues, Paul and I. And so as Paul said, we brought uh, George Douglas in here, a candidate for city council at large, a current member of city council is ready, okay? So George, again, I want to welcome you to, uh, to uh, ABC at noon here. Uh, and um, simply say, uh, could you please explain to us, you know, a little bit, tell the audience who you are, um, what you hope to accomplish, and what issues are you really passionate about? Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me. I appreciate the program and certainly appreciate uh, what I would say, the discourse. And uh, so, yeah, first of all, I'm George Douglas, and uh, I am running uh, for uh, to be retained on city council. Currently, I'm uh, finishing uh, John Bowker's term, if you will. So I've been on for about two years now. And uh, and so I've really enjoyed that experience and, and uh, the things that I've learned and, and uh, sort of had the opportunity, I guess, if you will, to uh, run at large. And uh, so uh, it's been a uh, it's been certainly a, a, an adventure here these uh, last couple months and certainly moving forward will become uh, very important and so I guess just maybe a little bit for your listeners that uh, don't know me and and uh, uh, and so uh, I'm born and raised here in Valparaiso and and uh, you know I've been involved with the city in a number of different ways and I think my first experience was working with the city as a, actually a garbage man uh, and that's back in the summer uh, after I graduated high school most people wouldn't realize that and uh, I that's something it. we did not know George no, yeah so I, I share that and I, I'm sure that uh, yeah, garbage research man is, people didn't find that one out either okay. no that uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure, you know, that not sure garbage man, I guess, uh, is the uh, politically correct uh, term, if you will. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I did that for one summer and uh, I really I liked it so much. And I, uh, I came back and did it for two more summers. And I think that was really uh, my first opportunity working for the city. Uh, again, just a summer where I was going to school and 
but I learned a lot. Learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about the city, learned a lot about the community. And if you really want to know something about the community, go up and, and uh, pick up the trash. And you, you really do learn a lot uh, about what people are throwing away and everything else. And so fast forward, uh, then, uh, you know, after I graduated school, I went to work for PACT, uh, which uh, m- many people might be familiar with here in, in uh, the community. And so I worked uh, in their Michigan City uh, program, which is a residential program working with the Bureau of Prisons and transitioning people back into the community from correction. And it's a community uh, uh, restorative justice type of program. And, and uh, you know, I've been, uh, so I was involved working with them for about five years. And after that, I had an opportunity to come work for the city in a different position. Uh, and that is working in the planning department. And uh, so I came back uh, to Valparaiso and, and uh, my wife uh, just had graduated law school and, and she wanted to come back and, and practice uh, law with her dad. And uh, so it was a great opportunity for us to both come back to Valparaiso. And so I worked in the planning department uh, for about three years and then I sort of morphed into the very first economic development director uh, for the city of Valparaiso. And so I did that for about two years. And then after that, I, I went into the private sector and, and uh, but ever since I left the city, I've been involved, uh, whether it be in the Redevelopment Commission or the Board of Zoning Appeals, and, and been involved in, in the city side of things. And so I, I think for me, it was, um, uh, and, and again, I guess maybe like my wife, and I asked her numerous times to marry me, it took several times. Well, I was asked to, you know, to be a part of the city, whether in an elected position, uh, numerous times, and I you know, just wasn't right. Uh, but uh, a couple of years ago, when they asked me on the John Bowker uh, to finish his term, it was, it was the right time for me personally and professionally to, to do that. And, and so yeah, I think it's an opportunity to give back. It's an opportunity to serve and engage the community at a different level. Uh, in an elected position and so it's been a lot of fun and and uh, i guess what i would one, you know one of the things that i've really learned i guess especially going into this uh municipal election you know for the city of alparaiso i think this is probably one of the most important elections that i remember in my lifetime uh you know one because you you've had mayor costas uh that's done a, a great job over the last 16 years uh he is he is retiring if you will from uh, public service after a long career and uh you also have sharon swihart uh the clerk treasurer 37 years as the clerk treasurer and i think she's been unopposed for most of those and uh and so you think about that and then i'm also i'd like to also mention bill oding as the city administrator i mean just that that team there has done a phenomenal job uh, in what I would say uh, uh, being a steward and uh, moving Valparaiso forward and engaging the community. And so this election, I mean, you're going to see a new mayor come in. You're going to see uh, probably a little bit of a new administration come in because Bill Oding is retiring as well from a long career of public service. And then you got a clerk treasurer that's retiring. And of that, then you look at the city council. And I think, you know, of the seven members that are there now, only three of us are running for, for, for real election and so there's a change there's a change that certainly is going to happen one way or another and i think it's really for me it was really important you know all the progress that has been made all the things that have been done it's not perfect and we're never done and and i think that's maybe a little bit of what you see with your your agenda for a better community and so it's how we continue to work and build off the progress that's been made and and so i think i bring that experience at the city working for the city again going all the way back to when i graduated high school to to, to working in the planning department and working in economic development uh to today uh and so i think that's what i i bring to the table uh i've got a long uh what i would say um uh, um, 
track record uh, of working um, really um, it doesn't matter I mean I really don't when I say it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your label is a Republican or Democrat I mean you know my wife's side of the family is is uh, what I would say a Democrat and uh, you know with Ivan Bodensteiner and Julie Douglas and Pat Bodensteiner Bodensteiner very involved in the community and and uh, you know I think that's what that's what Velpo is it's it's, it's really uh, it's a marriage of bringing people together really dropping labels of right and left Republican and Democrat, maybe that has meaning at, at a national level or maybe a little bit at a state level, but a local level, it's really about the community and it's about how we work together. And I think this community has really demonstrated that. I think Mayor Costas and his administration has done a great job with that. And so I want to continue that. And so the things that are important to me are certainly, again, keeping our community safe. Uh, what I would say, um, um, being opening and welcoming and engaging for everybody uh, in being transparent. Um, and I think the economic development piece is really important. And I think that's something we cannot lose sight of. And I think that's one of the big differences with some of the people running in terms of how we approach uh, economic development. And I've got a lot of experience there and on both sides of it, working for the city as well as being in the private sector. And so that is very important to me and certain inf infrastructure is very important to me and, and uh, you know, how we continue to invest in our community. And so, and I would think, I, I think the last thing that I think that is really important that I really see uh, that has happened with this administration, and that is how we communicate and work uh, what I would say cooperatively. And I'm, I'm talking about wh whether it be within the community, but especially at the government level. I mean, I think the cooperation you have now between the city of Valparaiso and the county and the, t and the township trustee's office, and you see that, um, I think, with the sheriff's department and the police department, the Valpo police and the Valpo fire, there is sort of a, a spirit of, of, you know, we get more done when we work together and we're not worried about who gets credit. We're not worried about the silos that we have have. And I think that has really broken down. I see that. I saw it firsthand from when I worked at the city to where we are today. And that doesn't come uh, easily. That, I mean, that takes a lot of people that are very dedicated and uh, believe in building trust and having mutual respect. And so uh, maybe that's a long answer to your question, And, and uh, but I appreciate that opportunity. Good. Thank you. You know, George, I think it's a... Um there is a politically correct term for a garbage man, a sanitation engineer. Sanitation so engineer. Remember that. Yes, next time I will. On the yeah. stuff. And we use that. I guess when I was in the role, and, and uh, you know, and uh, you're absolutely right, sanitation engineer. There's been a good deal of talk about the use of TIFs, tax abatements, and other incentives yeah. for yep. economic development. You've mentioned it on your webpage. Yes. Particularly as a result of some recent decisions. In the future, there's three questions here. How are you going to evaluate? Uh, a particular TIF or abatement or other incentives. So there's evaluation. How do you plan to hold the recipients accountable? Yeah. And yeah. how are you going to make it uh, that information available to the public? And that's a great question, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. I mean, and first of all, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into evaluating every project, and and, and again, I've been on both sides of it, and, and certainly uh, in the work I do at Indiana Beverage in, in representing the not only that company but also the Leeds family on different developments in the community, but then seeing it on the city council level as well as on the redevelopment commission level. And first of all, you have a team. You have a team at the city that that begins with you know Patrick Lip as the economic development director, and you have a partnership that's with the Valpar 
Valparaiso Economic Development Corporation. And so there is a process, there is a form that is filled out. And, and so you fill out that form and it, it, it indicates on there what jobs you will create, what salaries you're going to create. And the city doesn't just hand these out. There is a, a particular evaluation process that goes through to make sure it matches up with the level of investment that is taking place by the business that's coming here. Are you satisfied with the performance of recent uh, Absolutely. I, uh, I, I've been very supportive. I think the city council has been supportive. I mean, with the exception, I think just about every single vote that's happened has either been 7-0 or 6-1. And I'm talking about the performance after the fact. Have yeah, you satisfied af- with that? After the fact. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that doesn't come back to the city council. Uh, that's one of those things. Like every year, I will file a CF-1, which is a compliance form for our business. That gets turned into the city administrator, uh, which or in this case, it would be Patrick Lip. Uh, on the economic uh, side, they will evaluate to make sure that we're in compliance, to make sure that we're making the investments and the assessed valuation has been there and also to make sure those jobs have been created and there's a salary match. And so that has been done. And so that's evaluated at that level and then the city signs off on that. And so that, I mean, that's how that is, that is, that is done. Are those reports readily available? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I mean that I'd have to, I guess, honestly follow back up with Patrick Lip. I know we want to make sure if there's somebody that's not in compliance that the city council is made aware of that, uh, and I think that would be a valuable, it would be uh, valuable to, from that standpoint. I think for the most part, I don't know if there's proprietary information and some of that stuff that is now then is kept out of, of of the public purview, if you will. But I'd have to verify that with uh, uh, with Patrick Lip. And I guess the other thing I would say that's really important, and this happened at our redevelopment commission meeting just last week, uh, the redevelopment commission mission has hired a consultant to come in, if you will. And what they're going to do is they're going to evaluate uh, our tax abatement and our local incentives. And what they're going to do is they're going to make sure that if they have recommendations, they will make those recommendations to us. They're going to evaluate how we're doing with the process. Are we using the right, right matrices? And also evaluate uh, the incentives compared to what other communities are doing. So it'll give us a nice benchmark, uh, if you will, of, hey, are we doing the right stuff? Or are we leaving incentives or uh, other programs off the table that we we should be considering maybe in lieu of a tax abatement or something else. Again, I will just say when I first got into economic development, we had very limited tools. Everything was pretty much a 10-year abatement and that was it. Today, it's much different. I mean, it's there's not many 10-year abatements that come through the city council, at least in the last two years I've been there. It's either been a three-year, five-year, or seven-year. And so there is, there is a process that it's being done. Hopefully that answered your question. Oh, yeah, I think it's a complicated question. It is a complicated and, and question. I, and I think that there are many voters out there who probably don't fully understand it. Uh, but, 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 but because you're right. You're right. we're 13 minutes into a 29-minute show segment, okay. I'm going to move but, it over to Larry for okay. number two. Well, one of the key issues in the agenda for a better community, we've talked about that document already, is labeled a welcoming community. And it's based to some extent on the belief that many Bel- that that Valparaiso has not always been a welcoming community. For example, the Community Research and Service Center publishes a document called Bias Motivated Incidents, and there are more bias motivated incidents in Valparaiso than in any city in Northwest Indiana, and that's twice as many as any the closest one in Maryville. There have been comments by many people that I know who have people with children of color in the schools that have not not been uh, treated really fairly in the schools and have been discriminated against, bullied and different kinds of things like that. So what do you, what do you say to those people who don't, who haven't experienced the welcome, because you mentioned a welcoming community in your introduction. Absolutely. Because well, I, I noticed you also talk about inclusion and engagement on your web page. Absolutely. And, and again, I, I, I would say that's regrettable and should never happen. And, and certainly, um, 
You know, sometimes uh, what I would say is, I mean, first of all, I'm not familiar with th that particular study. And, and uh, you know, I think those things, there should be zero tolerance for that. I and mean, that's not acceptable. It's not reflective, I think, of the overall Valparaiso community. And I think one of the things that I have learned, even through this campaign process, is you really can't control the behavior of certain individuals. And, and, and sometimes don't let one or two people define uh, who we are as a community and what we're about. And so, you know, I really take offense to that. Uh, uh, when we have those kind of stats and numbers, because I don't really believe that is reflective of this community. I'm not saying it's not reflective of individuals maybe within the community, but I don't think that represents uh, our, our entire community. And if it is, and, and that's something we got to continue to challenge and push back because it's it should not it's not acceptable. It is, is there anything not you acceptable. can suggest that we can do in the near future on this? Well, I, I think that, again, continues to be an education. It continues to be a community engagement. Uh, and, um, you know, again, I think the Human Rights Council is a big part of that in how we keep that conversation going of what's, what is acceptable behavior. And uh, uh, I would hope, at least on the city council, that's something we can continue to, to encourage and, and be a part of that conversation. So you will be an ongoing supporter of the HRC? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, it will be. Okay, great. Right. Um, many people believe uh, that like the rest of the country uh, affordable housing is an issue yep. in Valparaiso and the term affordable housing is an awkward term <laughs> Larry and I have taken to take using the, the phrase uh, quality housing for all income levels uh, there's evidence recent census data indicates that almost half the renters in Valparaiso are housing burdened, which means they pay more than 30% of their gross income for housing-related costs. Do you see this as a legitimate problem in Valparaiso? I think you, you hit a couple things. One is, is certainly how we define uh, affordable housing in Valparaiso. And um, that 30% that is a HUD statement. Yeah, and yeah. frankly, if we go back a few years, that figure was 20%. 20%. So yeah. now we have upped I, it so that people are are uh, legitimately paying even more for their housing and not being considered burdened. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, that is not just a Valparaiso phenomenon. Um, that's a phenomenon that's, and maybe phenomenon is not the politically correct term to use, but it is something that is occurring across the country and a lot of communities right. are dealing with this issue. And, right. and there's a lot of ways to, I'm not sure how you, one thing solves uh, that challenge that's out there. Uh, I will tell you one thing that we are doing, uh, certainly at the city council level and, and maybe at the uh, at the city administration level, you, you guys are aware that we have got the affordable housing study that's being done. And so I'm anxious for that to come back and help quantify what, what, the, what, the, what the problem maybe is, or the challenges in our community. So then we can look at what approaches and what solutions. And I don't think there's certainly not any one. And there's a lot of things I think that are within our control and I know Paul we've had those conversations right. before and I think you have to look at your UDO you have to look at your ordinances you have to look at your fees associated with that what can we do to encourage uh, what I would say alternative or more affordable living uh, housing options I mean certainly it's it's something that's on uh, at least should be on everyone's mind here in the community and so uh, how we solve that is uh, I think is is certainly as is something that we'll be addressing uh, so let me do a, a, a quick real specific follow-up assuming sure. this housing study and we've had housing studies in the past several right. of them yeah. that have indicated a need given this current study if the if it in fact reinforces the belief that there is a need would you be willing to establish 
uh, what we call a Quality Housing for All Advisory Committee, kind of analogous to the HRC, a group of people who have some expertise that could be a part of the city's thinking. Because both Larry and I think this is a problem that's tangible and, and, and granular and that can, in fact, be addressed with creative thinking. So the question is, would you be in favor of establishing a, a collaborative committee of people from the community with some expertise to, to advise the city on this? Well, I wouldn't be, I would not be unfavorable to it. I'm very open to it. And I think it's one of those things I said, let's figure out what the study is. Let's figure out, you know, what that conversation is. It's more than just a city conversation. Certainly there's a lot of organizations and that are part of this mission. And, and, uh, and so I think approaching that from a collaborative effort uh, throughout the community is important. And I think this is an issue too, that's hard to look at in a very um, microscopic sort of way. I mean, this issue affects all of Northwest Indiana, affects Porter County. And so what you do uh, in, in, in just Valpo, uh, I think there's a bigger picture to look at because it's hard to solve that just at one level, uh, if you will. And so I think that's a conversation that needs to happen at a lot of different levels and not just at one. So to answer your question in a longabout way, I am open to it. Just, you know, let's, let's figure out what that looks like, I guess, moving forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because the problem has been around for a long time and then all of a sudden now we're going to do a study when we've had, as Paul said, studies on, you know, during Altogether Valpo, uh, they hired a social research impact room in Chicago to do a study and the study came back and said, hey, we're, we're incredibly short and but the city rejected that. I'm kind of afraid that, that hope, hopefully you will yeah, hopefully protect it's, that from happening. I mean, hopefully that, it's, I mean, they, they threw that study out. There's some other studies out too. So well, let's hope it's not a study that just sits on a shelf. If there's yeah. something there that's actionable, and let's figure out who the stakeholders are and, and how we approach it. And and again, I think for a lot of people, it's maybe like economic development. They really don't understand it. And when you talk about affordability or affordable housing or uh, housing for mm -hmm. all, uh, again, I know one of the numbers that's that's still pretty alarming to me is the number of non-owner occupied housing in, in this community. And uh, the university plays a, certainly a part of that. And and so that I think is is something we also need to look at because there's other challenges with that and so um, I look forward to the conversation moving forward and, and again I hope it's not a study that just sits on a shelf let's see what's what we can do about it but again I think there's a collective uh, responsibility and approach to solving uh, those challenges. I was very very happy to see that your reference on, on your webpage to that issue this that you recognize that so I'm very 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 pleased to see that basically. Um, there's been much uh, praise of the Costas administration, which you did, and I think sure. Paul and I would agree that uh, it's been, it's been the, the leadership and the hard work and the energy that's been put into downtown uh, is, is admirable. and It's created a, a wonderful environment, and no one's going to argue with that. But I think there's been a problem, I think, and some people have been left behind. Uh, so, for example, I'll give you a very simple example. If you look at the figures on, on income and, uh, in, in this community, if you go back to 2010, the top 5% were making about $240,000 household. By, by 2017, they were making $320,000, about $80,000. The bottom 20%, there, we went from $1,100 to about $1,200 annual, about $1,100 credit. In other words, what's happened is that the level of inequality really has 
as almost exacerbated by the huge quality here. So some people have argued that some people have been left behind. What do you think about that? And what, what, can, what can we do about Let's that? Let's add one more statistic. In 1986, 86% of our population, when you talk about Valparaiso population, Valparaiso, I'm yeah. sorry, okay. We're, we're classified as living in poverty. poverty. In 2016, that number was you know, up to almost could, 15%. You could also look at the school lunch. Free, school, yeah, free, free and reduced lunch, lunch and absolutely. Look at Central and, and, and TJ and what they're doing there. So anyway, yeah. What, what can the city do about that? Well, I mean, that's a great question in, in terms of, I, I think, first and foremost is always having awareness and acknowledgement of, of the challenge that's happening there. And you got to start with that. Uh, and, and certainly, again, this is not a Valparaiso uh, phenomenon. This is happening across the country. Absolutely. And you certainly see it playing out at the, at the national level. You know, we're not the, indicting Valparaiso. No, no, no. But I, we it, think Valpo is capable yeah, uh, based on the accomplishments, and I yeah. think the thing you say, recognizing this is a problem, I think is 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 what has been one of the problems. The denial, yeah. this is a problem. Okay, and, and I think that's one of the the issues I go back to that's so important to me, and that is you know the economic development side, and and uh, and to me, creating jobs, good paying jobs, should be a real priority for for this community and for Valparaiso in particular. Uh, the challenges that we have, I mean. Uh, uh, can be solved if we all work together uh, and we don't worry about who gets credit. But uh, if you're talking about wage levels and income levels, I mean, doesn't that, that economic development is one thing, again, I think <clears throat> it's in the city's purview of something that we have control over when we're out there looking to attract companies to Valparaiso. We're out looking to support and help existing businesses in Valparaiso expand and to invest. We have to create an environment where they want to continue to invest into equipment and into training and into hiring of their people. And I think that's very important. And that's one thing that I, I think is a key element that we cannot lose sight of because that's that's one approach to what's in the city's control uh, to do that. If you combine that with an effort to create a diversity of housing, you have really gone a long way to solving that particular problem. Yeah. It, can, I, can I jump in and sort of combine a couple questions here? What's, it, what it, is the problem with using tax abatements in the affordable housing world whereby you can give developers tax abatements who want to do things and, and or or other kinds of incentives well I, I, we're sort of jumping around here but i mean let's yeah i, I think the answer that i mean that kind of goes back to you know the question earlier on that and i think right. you know we, we've got somebody looking at how we doing how we are doing tax abatement how we're doing economic development and, and maybe that's a recommendation that comes from it uh, historically with uh, that's something the city has not been a part of uh, what i would say is residential economic development i, I think you look at Let's find. Let's identify what all the solutions are and, and see what works. And and uh, and I think you know one thing. I guess I've learned over the last 16 years of watching this administration and being involved in it on, on different things. And that is, you know, we're, we're willing to try things. We're willing to to try things, and, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. It's understanding the economic impact, understanding the cost uh, associated with that, because sometimes there's unattended consequences. And I think we have to be careful with that as well. Uh, we've done a lot in in. Uh, I think we got to continue to build off the progress we made and, and not take a hard turn in a different direction because as we see uh, at, at the national level, uh, sometimes it, it just takes a little bit and we move in a, in a direction that becomes very hard to, to get back on course. And, and I think Valpo's moved in a great direction and I want to continue to move it forward. One of the things the city did was they initiated something called Valpo Next, which yes. we all thought was pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, it was. The, the, there is, I should say. 
that conversation is still going on. Valpo Next has kind of been moved into the not-for-profit world, and uh, to the extent that I've been involved, I see some uh, very energized people who want to continue, but they're floundering because they don't have city support anymore. How do you feel about that? Well, I, uh, I feel that that's maybe a role, that the, again, I think as part of the engagement and part of the ongoing conversation, the city plays a part in that. And, and I think I look back at, uh, I think one of the great things that have been done in the last few years is Maggie Clifton and in, in the Director of Community Engagement. And, uh, you know, she's done a lot of taking that conversation to the communities, to the neighborhoods, to the neighborhood associations. And uh, there's been some great stuff done there. I think some great partnerships with the Redevelopment Commission in terms of giving grants back to neighborhoods to engage them. And so I was part of her neighborhood workshop that she held just a few weeks ago over at uh, um, at uh, Force Park. And I think that's an ongoing conversation. So how that will morph and how that will look in the future, I'm excited about Maggie's role. And I think she'll be a big part of that. Well, I think we, we've got about a minute and a half left. And I, I think that I'll was a quick half hour, by it the goes way. Fast. I'll, I'll, it does I'll, go fast. You saw it fast. So I'll give you the last, the last shot, George, I think. You, you well, pretty I, much but, talked about everything already, but I'll, if, you have, I, if there's one thing we missed... <laughs> You got, you, got, you got a minute. I got a minute to, to convince people. I, well, I, I really appreciate it. Again, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the ongoing conversation. Uh, I think there's a lot of great stuff, that, that uh, ideas that went in here. Some of that stuff can happen at the local level. Some of that stuff involves a state or you know uh, a much different level. You're, or referring, the to, you're referring, referring to the ABC to, document. The ABC yeah. document, absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, that, that, uh, so I think there's, like everything else, I think it's a, an ongoing how we work together uh, in engagement and in conversation conversation to move it forward and I think I bring experience I think I bring trust and I think I bring leadership to my role in the city council I think during this transition I think that's very important that we get people out to vote and to make sure that they they're voting for the right candidates and not looking at labels of who's an R who's a D because I think at the local level it's really about who's going to move the community forward regardless of immutable characteristics if you will. George Douglas, thank you very, very much Thanks for coming for on ABC at noon. And remind people, you are listening to WVLP, LP 103.1 on your radio dial. And again, this has been uh, in, uh, ABC at noon. And thank George very much for uh, coming and talking. And to don't us. touch that dial. We have a second half of the show coming up, and we will be talking to another city council candidate, Evan Costas. thank George Douglas for an interesting half hour of discussion and uh, uh, we're moving on to the second candidate on the Republican side uh, for at large uh, member of the city council uh, Evan Costas well Evan thank you very much for taking the time to come thank you both for having me I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion today 
So the first thing we, we decided to do in these, these things is open it up by giving you an opportunity to tell people, you know, who you are, uh, you know, why you're running, uh, and what issues you're passionate about, or pretty much anything else you want to explain to us. Yeah. It's your time. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I've, I've lived in Valpo my entire life. Um, I've, uh, aside from my, my, the few years that I spent away at uh, college, um, I've, I've been here my whole life. Um, I've seen a lot of change happen in the city over the last 16 years. And, um, and I think it's been positive change. It's been exciting to see and exciting to, um, to kind of see that firsthand. And, and uh, especially with my dad being my mentor um, and business partner, just seeing a lot of that take place um, has been inspiring. Um, upon graduating college, I went to a small Christian, Christian school in San Diego. Um, I was, I kind of weighed my options on, you know, did I want to stay out there? Did I want to come back home? Um, and there was just something about this community that was tugging at me. It wasn't um, the weather, was it? No, it wasn't the weather. That was, the, that was one of my options <laughs> on the other side that I had to weigh. Um, but there's a strong sense of community here that I haven't really seen um, or experienced anywhere else. And, and that's a big, big reason why why I decided to move back home. Um, thought it would be a great place to raise a family. Um, I now have a beautiful mm -hmm. wife, Stina, and a small um, child, Bill. He's a year and a half. And um, being in a community that, um, that cares so much about um, their park system and, and um, diversity, and, uh, and I know that's, that's something that you guys are passionate about. Um, I think, you know, I've seen, now that I'm a business owner, I've seen, I've seen different um, cities like Carmel, where you know, comparing us to Carmel, that might be an area where, where they struggle a little bit more in terms of diversity. It's harder for us to find um, kitchen help down there or um, servers, and um, and I think that's that it's important for all types of people to be able to to rub elbows with each other, and that's that's part of what makes a community. Um, strong and vibrant. Um, so, so that's why I decided to move back. And upon moving back home, um, we, uh, my dad and I, opened a restaurant together, La Peep, and learned a lot about about business. Not only business, but what it takes to to run run a restaurant in every sense, from dishwashing to to running food to cooking on the line, um, and. It it was it was really eye opening to um, just to know on a, on a level of personal investment what it what it takes to um, to be able to succeed, and um, from there we've been able to to add a few more locations, and uh, a few a few we have a few restaurant concepts, and um, and that's been a lot of fun, and it's it's been fun to to add value to the community because these these ideas come, came from. Um, us a desire for us to fulfill a need um, that that we felt we saw in the community. So, um, and in doing so, we were able to to create some jobs and give people a good quality of life. And um, and um, I, I want to. One of the reasons I'm running is because I want other people to have other young entrepreneurs or people that want to be entrepreneurs to have to have that opportunity. So promoting um, a landscape that encourages young people to to look at Valparaiso and 
say to themselves, this is, this is a really cool community. I, I think I want to plant down roots there and, and do business there. And I've, this is something I've always wanted to do and, and, um, and kind of be that place that or be that city and that community that, that embraces, um, people that, that want to do that because it's not just about capitalism and making money. Um, we view it as, you know, um, this is our mission field and we're able to, to speak into a lot of different, um, people's lives and uh and really facilitate change or um, development in their own in their own lives so it's been it's been a lot of fun uh really rewarding and and um and that's a big reason reason why i'm running you know not only do i want to continue to see um the growth that, that we've experienced um over the last 16 years i, I want us to continue to to rebuild our, our infrastructure make sure our roads are in good shape our park system strong our Police and, and fire departments are, are um, have the tools they need and have the training they need and, and um, all the equipment and, and everything to, to do an effective job to keep us safe. Um, and uh, I want to see our, our city continue to be vibrant, the vibrant city that it's been and the exciting city that it's been to, uh, to be a part of that, that I know you both um, have, have recognized too. So, so that, that's, that's why I'm running. Thank you very much. Paul? Evan, one of the things that I caught when you were talking was you wanted to encourage young entrepreneurs. And I was an entrepreneur. I wasn't quite as young as you were. Um, and I didn't have a, a much of a, a financial foundation. But I was a real risk taker, so I plunged into it. But I talked to a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of young people, who claim that Valpo is a very difficult town to live in because of the cost of housing. Mm -hmm. So one of our issues, and I'm jumping ahead here because that really caught me, was that many people believe that much of, well, like much of the rest of the country, affordable housing or housing for all is a serious problem in Valparaiso. Mm -hmm. Most rents, uh, recent census data indicates that almost half of the renters in town are what's known as housing burdened which means they pay more than 30% of their income for housing. First of all, do you see this as a problem? And second of all, do you see a role for the city in addressing the problem? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think, you know, I know that the city is currently doing a housing study, um, and I think that that um, information will be available later in the year to really assess where we're at. Um, but I think it's important to have, you know, empirical data um, I know. I know. Today we're probably going to be speaking anecdotally, um, but I feel like we need to have that data to really assess our situation um, in terms of housing. Um, I haven't given. I haven't dived real deep into this um, issue, but from just from like walking the streets and kind of seeing what I've seen, talking to my servers, um, I, I've got I've got some employees that that decided they wanted to live downtown because that was, you know, the, everyone balances their priorities and, and they want, you know, when they're young and in their 20s, they want to live downtown. So I've got some servers that, um, I, you know, I don't know what percentage they're spending on, on their housing, but I know that that's something that was important to them, living downtown. And, and I, I have a handful of servers that still continue to do that. Um, I know in the last, you know, when you define... It's, it's complex because when you define affordable housing, um, you know, you, you, you did say 30% of... of um, household income. Household income, yeah. So, so if we're going off of the notion that 
the median is uh, 50, 52,000. 52, um, you know, there were, I, I think I, I did some research and 21% um, of the homes sold in the last 12 months were under 150,000. Um, 30, 37%, and that's, that's in Valparaiso, 37% of the homes were under 200,000 in Valpo. Um, and then Center Township was a little bit lower than that. They were at 35%. That was under 200,000. So if, if an individual is able to, you know, make, make a down payment of, um, put a down payment of 10% on their home, um, and they have a mortgage of, of you know, 1,200 bucks over 30 years. Um, Add to that the cost of utilities and the cost well, that's, of tax that's with, that's You're with including that. that. Yeah, so it would be 800 um, based on the math that I did. Right. So with taxes and, and uh, utilities, it would come around, come to a, about 1,200 bucks a month. Um, it's it, it, it's right in line there, and I know that there are some people that live in the city that make a lot more, and some people that make a lot less. And um, and I think you know I think it's always something that needs to be considered and looked at and and addressed on how we what's the best way to facilitate and and encourage developers to to add more affordable homes because it that is what what I stated in in my intro that is um, a huge part of our city success is that we have all types of people here um, and we don't want anyone to you know I know gentrification can be a natural thing but we don't want any we don't want to kick anyone out of town we we, we recognize that we value everyone and that's part of what makes Valpo that community that I talked about it's a really special place so um, so I think I think just kind of wrapping that up I think you know it is something that we need to look at and and we do need hard hard facts to be able to address that what's the best way to proceed do we annex more land where we can where we can um, encourage developers to to want to um, build these more affordable homes I think that's something we should look at you know but um, but I, I do think that there are a number I, I looked on um, MLS and there are a number of, of homes that are in that you know 150 to 200 range and it is a hot market you know I, I know the market determines the home values but um, but these are all things that, that need to be considered to keep Valpo a welcoming place for all people. A couple of years ago, we had a, uh, a thing called Valpo Next, and the follow-up was an altogether Valpo session. And in that, there was a, a housing group, and they had a study. I think Larry might be able to refer to who did what, that. The Valpo Next or the altogether Valpo? The altogether Valpo. Yeah, well, you know, it, you know a couple of things about that. The uh, altogether Valpo, let me go backwards here and... Well, let me give you, I'll give you the first one. The, the, the city actually hired Social Impact Research and Heartland Alliance Program in, in Chicago to come in and do a housing study. Mm -hmm. Came to the conclusion that there are gaps of 1,500 affordable uh, units for, for low-income workers. I mean, there's four, you know, we're short 400 and 500 homes for low-income people I mean, to, to purchase and things like that. Well, it's always wondered to me because you talk about the plan. We're going to have this plan, but the study is already there, okay? And there was a study done in 2004 by the university on these issues that showed some of the problems and suggested some of the things you can't, can't want to do. And also what's interesting to me is that altogether Valpo, uh, program suggested that before the transit-oriented development and creative arts district are developed, the city should explore incentives for affordable housing. Well, mm -hmm. the they city didn't explore incentives. In fact, they came out and said that we're not going to provide incentives for uh, lower quality affordable housing. So, 
Do you agree with that? that I think, I mean, that's, that's another complex issue. Um, what, can you guys shed a little bit of light on like specifically what you would like to see in terms of incentives for affordable housing? Because I think at the end of the day, there's only, you know, so much, you have to balance the budget. There's only so much money to go around. Um, and, and is it something that you make available to, to everyone or are you getting a certain level of commitment or buy-in from these individuals that you're, that you're helping? Because I think that's, those are the types of people that, that really want to be here and that really care about this community are the people you want here. Well, your statement is accurate in that you're saying this is a complex issue. And it is yeah. complex. We have used uh, tax incentives to build St. Paul Square. Mm -hmm. which will not serve your servers, mm -hmm. nor will it serve the people who are doing the landscaping or putting shingles on houses. Um, so there is precedent for using incentives to create high-end housing. The challenge is we really don't have any new, um, I, I want to call it 1950s style, post-World War II housing, uh, like, we, like we did see developed What's the name of the neighborhood on the east side, just north? Um, help me out here. What neighborhood? Um, oh, the neighborhood just north of what used to be Miller's Mart. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what it's, what it's called. It's a bunch of 950 square foot houses. Yeah. Oh, the, the Beach Street. I was going to Beach Street. So heavy. Right. Or right, right. Sturdy we have, Road. We have, sturdy we have road none road. of that being developed right now. Yeah. In 1950, the typical house size was 950 square feet. It's a typical new house built. In 2018, the typical square footage was 2,600 square feet. Mm -hmm. uh, while the family size has gone down by one member, the average number of occupants. So the idea of incentivizing by providing infrastructure help Mm -hmm. which is what we did for St. Paul Square, for those smaller, more humbler housing units is, is a possibility. Yeah. So, and, and for me, and I, I've spent a lot of time dealing with housing, and I don't think our audience wants to list, listen to me listen off <laughs> things that we could do right now. What I'm trying to get yeah. to is the question of, is there any interest on the part of this particular candidate, Evan Costas, mm -hmm. in addressing this issue? In the same yeah. way we kind of addressed the the need for more comfortable uh, housing, larger housing, more expensive housing. Yeah, I, th I think it's something that we should we should all look at. I think um, I think it's an important issue, and you know, at the end of the day, someone needs to come up with a with a plan, a sustainable plan. And usually, the people that are most passionate about that, which would be, I mean, I know how passionate you are about that and the great work you've done. Um, you know, maybe that's something that you can come up with the best possible plan for that and and um but I, I think it's absolutely something that should be considered um in the case of st paul square um you know you've got this building that's been sitting there and it's filled with asbestos and you get into it and there's all there's all these issues that you know the, the developer um dealt with. and that's a separate that's a separate thing they I get, needed I help to make it profitable well we and we're saying the same thing applies on the opposite end of the spectrum yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're what you're saying. Um, obviously, I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not partners with with Bob, and I don't know, you know, how much. There's no way of knowing the true financials of of that situation. Um, but I, I get what you're saying with with um, with new development, and um, and I think it is important. You know, my my dad did do a, a, he partnered with Bob on a, on the North Hampstead development, right? And um, and their goal with that development was to create 
really affordable homes, uh, modest homes. And at the time they were selling for, um, you know, high quality materials, I wanted to add, um, but they were selling for around 160. Now with the cost of materials going up, they're probably more closer to 200. Um, if there's anything available. Yeah, I just looked at one yard, it was like 240 they were selling it for. Yeah, so, and there's but, different sizes, yeah, different you sizes. know, there's, yeah. there's two story and there's ranch. Um, yeah, two stories. You know, I don't want to, I, I, yeah, I, we, I don't want to cut this too, spend too much time. I just do want to put a cap on it. Yeah. One of the th suggestions that was made in the agenda for a better community was that if this housing study even hints that there is a need, would the city be willing to create an, a housing advisory committee? made up of people from the community mm -hmm. like bob kuhlman yeah who has right. claimed over and over that we need help to create affordable housing yeah. so the question is given evidence would you be supportive of that kind of uh advisory committee yeah yeah i think i think so i think you know again we need to look at the the plan and the numbers um but but yes i think that's something that that um, should be should be looked at for sure. Great. We we'll try to end this one. One more one more thing. And said so I think what Paul and I are trying to say. So this is our, our pushing. We have you here. You're a candidate. We're going to push our own agenda here. We that wasn't the plan, but if if the city applied the same kind of dynamic leadership and energy that they did to downtown to affordable housing, I think we could become a model. Mm -hmm. Because I just think what they did downtown, using all the resources that are available, cooperating with all kinds of people, they did a wonderful job. They could do the same thing. And yeah. some cities have done have done that kind of thing. But it could become a model. But we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on something else. One of the key issues in the agenda for better community uh, is, uh, as Belpo is a welcoming community. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we put that in there as base to some extent because some people have complained Belpo is not really all that welcome in community, uh, particularly people who are, are minorities. Mm -hmm. And I point in one example is this community research center at Valparaiso University done a study and showing that there's, there are more bias-motivated incidents in Valparaiso than in any city in Northwest Indiana. And the closest one is Maribel, and we have twice as many here. So some people have seen this not as a very welcoming community. Okay, what do you say to these people about Valpo? And what can we do about yeah, integrating I, these I, people? Absolutely, we want to be a welcoming community. Um, I, I, I think you know, I think we've we've done an okay job at this. I think we can definitely. Uh, improve um it's it's hard to know like what like do they have any specifics on like why they don't feel welcome or um areas that you feel we can be be more welcoming well we certainly have evidence that in the public schools there mm -hmm. are people of color who have okay. experienced the kind yeah. of casual casual racism that young people display that yeah. that is still present in our community i think larry has a body of evidence that he can cite for of, of incidents okay. that have happened. Go ahead, Larry. I just have a list here, and I, I won't go through, but here's sure. a partial list of some of the incidents okay. that have occurred uh, during a period of time. And, and a swastika painting, uh, cross burnings, and all kinds of things like that. Yeah. There have been numerous incidents. Like Primarily that. in the schools? No, the, the, the swastika stuff, that's just painting random, random near the, the Temple Israel and all kinds of things like that. Okay. Cross burnings on lawns of black Americans. Uh, and, you, Americans. and you have evidence from the uh, VU uh, Research Center that these incidences have grown in Porter County over the years. Correct. It's been a slight mm -hmm. increase over time, yeah. And I think that's probably related to the changing nature of diversity. 
Yeah. I think one of the things we point here would would are, are you would you support the Human Relations Commission and uh, all the things that they do in trying to promote welcoming community? Is that, is that yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. I, um, I think you know going back to like the the schools and and um, you know the swastikas at the churches and stuff. I, I think you know it's not been a lot, okay, but there have been enough incidents to yeah. make people uncomfortable. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think I think. Really researching how how do we become a, a more welcoming community, and pairing that with, you know, making sure that our our police force is aware of these issues and that they make it a priority. Um, and the, and the same thing with the school board. You know, if this, these things are happening in school. Obviously, I can't. Um, you know, the city council can't always be in the schools, and we don't work there. But but we you know we can make sure that the school board is is making this a, a priority that we that we have a plan for dealing with it as these issues arise um, because yeah as as more minorities move into the city um, and and that continue, you know if, if that ramps up then then that's something that um, that we need to to make a much higher priority than we've than we've made one of the things that that elected leaders can do even though they can't legislate that everybody behave they can speak out. Our city council, as a rule, has resisted passing resolutions. I remember recently when we had some gun violence in Florida, there was a push for the city council to make a, a, a resolution, basically condemning it and encouraging people to, uh, to push towards uh, greater gun safety. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to see leaders who are willing to climb out on a limb and say, I condemn this stuff. Yeah. This kind of behavior is not acceptable in our community. Will you be that kind of leader? Yeah, I think so. I, um, you know, I don't know if we have the ability to pass an ordinance that bans guns or anything like that. No, we're not, I'm not even talking about guns. No, we're we're really talking no. about this welcoming community. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was using, using that as an illustration of the resistance on the part of the city council right. to pass a kind of a, a hypothetical, theoretical resolution basically making a social statement. Yeah. And and I think your father has done a pretty good job when necessary standing up and representing values in the community. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think is very important in, a, in an elected leader. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, you know, th this is something that I, I kind of, well, being a small business owner in this community, I'm I'm working with all different types of people. You know, I'm, I've Hispanic, um, Cooks that work for me. I have, you know, women um, that manage the facilities. I, I'm I'm working with all all different types of people. And I, if if I hear of you know someone that's that's um, being picked on or bullied in that way, I mean, that resonates with me because I, I don't want that happening to my people. I care about my people. You know, I, I I rely on. I'm nothing without them. You know, and I think I think we need to look at that on a broader scale of of our community. You know. With, if, if we just have people that live in Valpo that are just like us, carbon copies of us, that's not a very dynamic community. Um, so I think it's it's absolutely important to, um, it's, it's a picture of the kingdom of God, you know, like it's it's all types of people rubbing shoulders and, and working together. And um, and I think that's, that's something that we want to promote. There's been a good deal of talk about the use of TIFs and tax abatements and other incentives for economic development, particularly as a result of some recent decisions. In the future, how are you going to evaluate a particular TIF, abatement, or other incentive? So there's really three questions here. How are you going to evaluate it? 
Are you going to make the recipients accountable for the promises they've made? And will that information be available to the public? Yeah, I think every, I think all that information is available. I think all the minutes are recorded from city council meetings and, and all that information is available. I, I think, you know, the way that we've looked at that or the city's looked at that is um, is primarily focused on on um, on creating jobs. You know, if, if we're if we're giving a, out a tax abatement um, to a business and it's it's more like a tax phase in um, over time, but uh, it's it's to alleviate some of that cost of the startup to to um, to help create more jobs. With so I think that's that's kind of been been the priority of the city, um, and I think it, that is important. Um, I think I think tips have been. Um, have been effective because it's so much of that money has gone back to to the schools um, and to the police force to be able to buy new cars um, for, for them and um, that's that's been extremely valuable but um, in terms of weighing I think and I know in, in this pamphlet you know you talk about you know um, tips or tax abatements for developments for um, for developments that um, that are building affordable homes, and I think that's something that should be considered. Um, yes, they're not creating, you know, we're not creating jobs, but we're we're presenting an opportunity. I, th I think it's a balance of of using those resources and those funds to create jobs, but also to keep to get people to come here, here that are that are committed and that want to be here and that and um, that can afford to live here. Yeah, that can afford to live right. here. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, the the question really asks. Um, are you going to, obviously, do you support those measures and you say you do because they create jobs? And I guess the, the real question is, are they being evaluated as being successful? Are we getting the jobs that we bargained for? And yeah. that's, that's, uh, that seems to be where the challenge has been. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, not all of, um, not every situation works out the way you intend it to. Um, but, but for the most part, I think it's, from what I've seen, again, I'm not in this position yet, and I've done what research I can. This is a tough one, um, <laughs> but but I, you know, I, I think I think it's been successful, and I think that they have presented the information for the people that have you know been willing to go online and and read the minutes and, and look at what the agenda's been. Um, so, uh, one of the things I've somebody had said, I guess we don't have a lot of time here, but one person suggested the standard should be if. If not for this abatement, would they create this project? Is that a reasonable? If not for this abatement, would they create this project? Is that is that too limited, or um, is that a bad formula? You know, it's again, it's it's complex because we don't we're not the developer in the, in that situation, so we don't know the true financials. Mm -hmm. But from what I've heard and learned about specifically the Coolman project, is you've got this piece of property that hasn't that hasn't gotten tax dollars since the Civil War. And um, no one wants to touch it. It's got all this asbestos and all these issues. Um, what types of you know what types of homes can be built to be able to make it feasible? So you want to encourage the developers to do it. You don't want to force them. I don't. I don't think we want to force anyone to to make these homes. We, want, we want to incentivize. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you know with that specific plot of land, it was it might have been difficult to do more um, more low income affordable homes. But there might be another piece of property where where that makes total sense, and um, so yeah, uh, I you know I just um, want to thank Evan. We're just about time run out of time. We've got uh, 
any last word? You got a minute. We, we to both. our audience, uh, this is an experiment. We <laughs> normally do an hour show. Today we're having two candidates in one hour, yeah. and we are jammed. Evan, you got yeah. about 35 seconds. Yeah, well, again, I just want to thank both of you for um, allowing me to be on this show. I really respect the both of you and just the work that you've put into this community. And, um, the, you know, the, the different types of people are what make this community what it is. And I think that should be embraced and that we should have um, have people in office that um, empower individuals to do that because it's not we shouldn't rely completely on the government to to um, dictate and to, you know, make all these decisions, but we should be empowering and facilitating these nonprofits. And I thank you for uh, for having me on today. Okay, I want to thank you very much for, for spending time with us. This has been Evan Costas, who's running for, for City Council. So you've been listening to ABC at noon. Thanks, thank Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. Appreciate it.